It's the Pit Box Podcast. I'm John Satori. The Turkish Grand Prix served up a delicious race, uh, which in the end saw the man who featured the least in it, really, uh, while there was chaos all around him, spinning cars and the like, uh, he took an astounding win and his seventh world driver's title to make him the most successful Formula One driver ever. Take a bow, Lewis Hamilton. A drive and a driver for the ages on a circuit that was remarkably difficult to negotiate in dry conditions, let alone wet, but he conquered it. Probably one of the best, if not the best drive he's had. I liked it particularly because he had to work for it. He had to work hard for it. He had to be patient, not lose his head, and we haven't seen him often have to do that. But he had to do it on Sunday, and he just got on with the business of not only winning the race, but winning his seventh world title. Okay, so let's get into it. I'm joined now by James Underhay, and uh, taking a look at the weekend, it... You're a Brit, you're a Vettel fan, you're a Ferrari fan. Um, you've had a pretty good weekend, really, haven't you? I have, John, I have indeed. I think your uh, explanation or, or description of the race being delicious is absolutely bang on. It was, uh, it was an incredible race, really, wasn't it? Um, and like you say, Ferrari's uh, biggest points haul of the year was pretty good to see, uh, not to... Uh, uh, not to forget, obviously, Seb picking up the podium. So, yeah, very happy indeed. And, of course, the other thing is that on the McLaren side, um, they sort of had to go into damage limitation, and they did because it looked like they were going to be swamped by not only um, Racing Point, who were ahead of them anyway, but uh, but Renault as well. But that didn't happen, so they did really well. We'll get to the Constructors' uh, Championship a little bit later. But, mate, run through the race as you saw it. Uh, well, I mean... I think the only way to describe it really is a weekend totally dominated right from the start of FP1 through to the chequered flag by the conditions and the track surface. Uh, obviously, weather was pretty poor all weekend, uh, you know, very heavy downfalls of, uh, of rain at points. But the, the, the bigger factor, I think, here was the re- recent kind of resurfacing of the circuit and the problems that that can bring with, you know, literally no rubber on the track whatsoever. And it just meant that well, it was farcical at times, was it not? You know, mm. you just saw these uh, cars with a thousand horsepower and no traction control doing 30, 40 miles an hour and struggling to keep it in a straight line. So, <clears throat> excuse me, it was um, quite astonishing, really. The race itself, absolute blinder. Obviously, we had Lance Stroll on pole, probably uh, looking fairly good for a win in the circumstances, <laughs> given his performance in qualifying at that point. And he got away well. You know, he got away really well. Uh, Checo followed him into to T1. And they were, at that point, in my head, I'm thinking these guys are going to drive away based on their performance in quality. Mayhem behind them. Obviously, Bottas being the major uh, full guy, ultimately. He was trying to avoid Ocon, who'd actually been tapped, ironically, by his teammate, Daniel Ricciardo, which was pretty awkward. But I think given the circumstances, you know, it was just the fact that so many still managed to tiptoe through T1 without too many problems was quite astounding. But Bottas, obviously, trying to avoid Ocon, had a bit of a shocker himself, got himself into trouble. And his race really was probably over from that point because the chances of fighting his way back through the field from last, you know, were, were slim. And he had a further five spins in the race, John. So he ended up coming home 14th. Worst possible weekend for him. Lewis, you know, you've alluded to it already, and we'll come on to that in a bit more detail, I think. But, yeah, great start. Got 
started sixth, I think it was, yeah. and got into third by uh, the first corner, obviously just kind of you know, picking his way through the, the mayhem, which was uh, a great start for him. And then, you know, it was kind of everyone really just trying to find their feet. You know, the mistake really from Lewis was was running wide. He was really struggling to get those tyres working. It was a theme for the Mercedes over the course of the entire weekend. Uh, and get them to that kind of operating temperature where it would enable him to find the grip. And Seb, who started 11th, was up into third very, very quickly and driving beautifully, like a four, four-time four world champion should. You know, this kind of was a bit of a leveller for him this weekend with the performance not necessarily needing to be there in the car. It was mm. about driver instinct and talent and the fingertips, you know. The Red Bulls followed Seb through past Lewis early on in the race. They got into fourth and fifth. Lewis just had no grip at that point. But he did start to find uh, that rhythm, which, you know, played a, a huge part really in the uh, the end result. Max obviously got off the line terribly. He was totally swamped <laughs> at the start of the race. Uh, pretty much went backwards. Albon, yeah, again, spinning. I think it was lap 37. He was on his own. He spun. And despite actual promise potentially of a great result, for for uh, Alex this weekend, and even they've suggested that it could have been a win on the cards, which is uh, pretty incredible. He too struggled with his tyres, and he ended up finishing down in seventh. Max's situation was uh, was a nightmare. If you think about how qualifying went for him uh, up until the point of Q3, and he, the fact he was fastest in FP1, FP2, and FP3, it looked like he was going to drive off into the sunset or the rain clouds this weekend, <laughs> but it just didn't happen, and he. He got caught out chasing Checo. I think it was through T11, that fast mm. uphill kind of sweeping right-hander and looked like a bit of a loss of downforce for him. Uh, and he ran wide. And once he was on the kind of the painted runoff area, he was uh, like Bambi on ice, wasn't he? He was all over the place. <laughs> so, yeah, tricky race for, for the majority of the drivers. Stroll, obviously, it's come to light that the graining issue that he had with his tyres, which is just, he, he was just nowhere. He was just going backwards throughout the entire race pretty much. The graining issue was actually caused by some unseen front wing damage. Uh, the team have actually come out and kind of leapt to his defence, which I think, you know what, in the great scheme of things, he had such a contrasting weekend, didn't he? The highs of getting pole on Saturday in the circumstances, something that he so desperately needed for his confidence. And all of a sudden he's driving what would have felt like an entirely different car uh, on race day. Um, so it's nice to see the team come out and actually back him a little bit and say, you know what, this wasn't down to Lance or anything he did during the race. This is down to some damage on the front wing, which caused the problem. So that was good. The master stroke really for me uh, was Lewis deciding to stay out on his old intermediates. Um, he kept them going long enough. It's been a theme with Lewis, hasn't it, over the past uh, few years where he just manages to, to overrule the team, say, you know what, I think it's going to be better to stay out. He did. He managed to catch Checo and took the lead. Lap 37, lap 38, I think it was. And um, really, as you've suggested already, an absolute masterful drive from Lewis in the circumstances. Charles Leclerc, incredible, incredible drive. Um, he was looking great in practice, actually. And qualifying, again, just didn't really work out for them. They were, Ferrari were another one of those teams where they, they couldn't, couldn't get it together in qualifying when they looked like they were going to be there or thereabouts for some of the top spots. But he was on a real mission, kind of mid to two-thirds of the way through the race. And he... Uh, caught Seb first, absolutely blew Seb away. And then I think it was Max with about 15 laps to go. And it looked like he had a chance of getting second, which he then put this move on Checo, managed to get past him, and then locked up trying to defend the place at the next corner. And that allowed Checo and Seb to come through and pick up the final two podium places. And you can imagine Charles was absolutely beside himself about his uh, about his mistake. 
you know, called himself everything under the sun at uh, at the end of the race on the radio. But um, you know what? He, he attacked, and uh, I think it was you know better than seeing him just settle for the the place he was in at the time. You want to see that from a potential world champion going for every move he can. So, yeah, Ferrari obviously getting good points haul. Lewis, absolutely incredible drive. I think really, you know, you can talk about other factors and other events in the race, but really, you know, the result just for me underlined Lewis's dominance this year. Um, as you've said, fantastic drive in the sense that things weren't perfect for him this weekend. Mm. He wasn't in the best car this weekend yep. for the job you know, he had to make that happen. And those tyres, which I'm sure 99% of the world have now seen because it's been published in pretty much every news outlet going, I think, they were intermediate, they were bald. You know, it could have been two, three more laps and one of them could have let go. So an incredible drive, you know, understandably emotional he was at the end of the race, which is quite rare for you to see him like that. I think that really was the, the magnitude of what he's achieved really hitting home. And it was a classy performance. You know, it was a classy performance. One of his best drives for me as a, a non-massive Lewis fan. You know, I think one of his best drives and, and a fantastic way to uh, to win the championship. Uh, I mean, the, the key to it as well is that he, he did 50 laps on that set of intermediates and they were used intermediates. They weren't fresh. Met, yeah. You know, yeah, so yeah. he did eight laps on the wets and, of course, everybody then realised it was time for the inters and, um, you know, whether it was eight, lap eight or ten, I think pretty much everybody, I think maybe except Albon who came in at lap 12, he kept his wets on a bit longer. But everybody was, you know, in nice and early once that um, that rain had gone, all the, the standing water had gone. But he did 50 laps on a set of used. And as you say, it's sort of funny, you do think, well, by the time he... Um, got towards the end of the race, he pretty much had slick tyres on, and you know maybe that was uh, to his advantage. But it was a one stopper for him. It was a one stopper for Perez. Perez did exactly the same. Uh, Sebastian Vettel did a two stopper. You wonder whether or not. I mean, they obviously couldn't have, I suppose, because um, they'd have a, a better car if they could do a one stopper. That's why they needed to do the two stopper. They're obviously chewing up the um, the inters. Sure. But Sebastian did a, what? He came in on lap eight, then lap thirty three, so two twenty five uh, lap stints on those inters and pretty much the same for Leclerc. But um and, and look, it, it was a great result, as you say, for Ferrari. I, I mentioned at the top, McLaren very happy with the damage limitation, considering, you know, where those two started with penalties as well. You know, Lando was in fourteenth, Carlos was in fifteenth. Yeah. And, you know, you, you look at who finished behind them who was ahead of them you know the likes of Giovinazzi Valtteri Bottas Esteban Ocon Daniel Ricciardo was up in fifth for goodness sake yeah absolutely the you know, um the, 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 the drivers behind them was uh was crazy really if you think about it because there's a few of those in particular especially with Gasly with his recent form obviously the car not really doing them many favors and uh Kvyat actually ended up beating into the line didn't he but um I thought it was a great drive from Lando, actually. And and the thing that I really liked about it personally was it, it, he went about his business quite quietly. There was one move that he put on George Russell, uh, which was pretty aggressive. And there was a <laughs> bit of contact. And I think George had a little grumble about it on the radio, didn't he? But, yeah. you know, those moves, unfortunately, in a race like that, in the conditions that they were, uh, they were experiencing, there's always a risk to overtaking. You can't just sit behind someone in case you bump into them when you try and go past them. And it was actually a brilliant move. Um his drive, ultimately, it was very quiet, just went about his business. He just made progress through the field. Uh, and sometimes you've got to do that. You know, it can't always be uh, the absolute kind of rock star drive. But the the, the payback for him was obviously a, a top 10 and the fastest lap. Um, yeah, that's right. Fastest lap as well. And um, that's a surprise because, you know, you look at all the other cars that are 
obviously quicker than that McLaren at the moment. There's got to be at least three. Mm-hmm. And, uh, okay, conditions obviously played its played their part. But um, for a young fella to do that, I think he did pretty well. Quality, absolute quality. And Carlos, obviously, with his fourth uh, consecutive points finish as well. Um, I think he's he had a bit of bad luck, didn't he? Uh, mm. Kind of start the season and... Um, Lando was kind of uh, leaving him, leaving him in the shade a little bit, but his drives have become really, really classy in the last few races. And um, you know, for me as a Ferrari fan, I'm excited to see him get in that seat next year and beyond. Well, that's right. I mean, and you, you talk about he's, he's had a lot of bad luck. We talked about this uh, uh, quite a lot, um, where you know he has had DNFs because of you know problems, or he's had you know s- results that weren't. Uh, what they should have been because, through no fault of his own. Um, yeah. You know, uh, he's only had four non-point scoring races this year. Um, Lewis's, uh, sorry, uh, Lando's had three, but um, and they're pretty close, I suppose. There's just one point between them, but you'd have to say that Carlos's uh, luck has been a lot, a lot worse than what Lando's has. But Carlos mm. is still just that one point ahead, and of course that was due to a fantastic podium in Italy at Monza. But yeah, I can understand as a Ferrari fan, you know. Mate, you're going to be very happy to see uh, Carlos, particularly if he's uh, going to take after his old man like that um, and, uh, you know, drift and rally his car through a, a circuit uh, like we saw on Sunday. Although, let's hope we don't see it again. Because that's I said at the top of the show, it was slippery enough without the weather. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, in dry conditions, it, the cars were still unable to, you know, get any, any form of power down. Um, a real handful of the drivers and you know there's some people out there going to have absolutely love this re- this race for that very reason and there's going to be others saying it was a it was a joke um i think you need to have to find a happy medium i mean there were times where I, i'm not sure the car should have even really been out on circuit but mm. it did it did create an amazing race again and as we've talked in in previous episodes you know it does seem that there has to be unfortunately an extreme event to create an amazing race and this week it was the weather and the surface um but obviously you want to see more races like that you want to see people who are unexpected chucking it on pole and 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 putting in a lap that you know that stroll did it was a great performance from him regardless of the the grief he's been given by fans press and uh, you know the, the thoughts about his dad being in charge of the team well the thing is that you know going into the weekend Racing Point needed and were saying they need to give him a confidence boost. Mm. And, you know, they <clears> timed <throat> putting him out and on the right tyres perfectly in qualifying. And that's what got them pole position. And, you, you know, they know yeah. they're a top three or top four car there at least. So it was no great surprise. Um, it was a surprise that I think that he, he beat Checo to it. Although I think, I'm just trying to think, there was something that happened with Checo. But either way, you know, there was very little between them. And Stroll has shown a lot of doubters and I'd have to say that I'm one of them and yep. I'd say you're you're man enough to admit that you are as well. <laughs> I'm up there. Yeah, um that uh, you know he does deserve a a spot on the grid. I think with that whole stroll thing it was just the way that it came about I suppose in that you know all of a sudden the team was left with three drivers and they have to pick one. To, mm. to leave the team and it was the guy who saved the team from itself or saved the team from administration not from itself you know two years ago who's been on yeah. the podium more than anybody else in that team since its inception even back to the days of Jordan and he's the one who's got the money who can do the job and yet he gets you know shown the door and I think that was probably if it was if it wasn't someone like Checo who'd done all that I think people would probably have less of a problem with Lance Stroll having that drive yeah absolutely um, yeah. you know it was uh 
it was good to see from him the uh, the high of Saturday. It's always great, you know, to see the emotion because uh, you know we, we talked about the radio last week, didn't we? And, mm. and, and the stuff that comes out of drivers' mouths in the heat at the moment. People think they're there, just these robots. They're not at all. It was lovely to see. One thing actually that you know that we we talked about these extreme events. I, I read a tweet actually just before uh, we, we started talking this evening, and um, it's from a chap that I'm hoping very soon will be uh, will be joining us on the show, and that is Ollie Milroy, who is a, oh. a successful young British racing driver. Um, he's a good golfing pal of mine, um, and he'd made a point of uh, saying, "Well, you know, first and foremost, what an epic drive by Lewis. Um, he did the job properly, and let everyone else crumble around him. Shocker from Bottas, but on another note, the downforce and grip levels." need to be reduced and DRS needs to go. Um, quite interesting to hear that from a racing driver because normally racing drivers want the cars to be as fast as possible and to handle exactly how they want them to be. But it's quite nice to read that in a way. And I think it just you know underlines the fact that these changes, the regulatory changes they're talking about, obviously, uh, for 22, we really do hope that they bring more races, not necessarily as extreme as this weekend's, no. but they mix the pack up that bit more, you know? Yeah, it does. I mean, as you say, it was. It's great to see a different, um, or you know, a massively different qualifying session number three and a, a massively mm. different top six to not have a Mercedes in it. They were the sixth and ninth, and who would have thought that? Um, and you know, and it was a delicious thought uh, when you looked at that uh, that top five. I mean, if you could pick five guys off the grid that you'd want barreling into turn one. Yeah, is is Stroll going to be there? Because you, you know you're not quite sure whether or not he's got, um, you know, the ability. And there's a question over that. Yeah, Max Verstappen, absolutely, sir. Sergio Perez, <laughs> you'll have him in there. Uh, you know, Daniel Ricciardo. I mean, Alexander Albon, maybe not, but of course he had a point to prove. So you know, you had guys who had a point to prove or who had form. Um, you know, all in that top five or six drivers. I mean, the only other person I probably would have picked maybe over Albon would have been Kevin Magnussen. I would have put him in that top five. And But it was just great to see different drivers in that top five. It was a mixed result. I mean, it was great that Lewis won because he drove fantastically. And as I said at the top of the show, he deserved it. I think it was his best race ever. Because, and he had to work for it. You know, yeah, he had yeah. to work for it. It wasn't just... And I know people, you know, I might get a little bit of Illuminati backlash for this, but he has been in the in a fantastic car, and you know, a lot of the time he's been racing one other driver who was in a, in the same machinery. It's not his fault, absolutely not his fault that he's in a great car. He put himself there because he's a great driver, mm-hmm. but it hasn't made for great racing, and it's just so good to see someone else mix it up. But you can't take it away from him, how well he drove that car in those conditions. He didn't spin. He had a little off. It just, it was immense. It was, it was. Um, I, you know, I, I, it's such a hard argument because you're not going to win the world championship in a car that's, you know, the, the slowest on the grid. doesn't matter how quick you are, how good you are, how talented you are. But we've, we've said it before, you know, Valtteri's had exactly the same machinery, you know, and his race was so contrasting in terms of spinning six times. Yeah. Okay. The first one wasn't really his fault. He was avoiding action, but you know, that, that drive, what Lewis had to do to get the car to the line, first and foremost, to pick his way through traffic, as you say, make no mistakes, bar one very early on in the race. Um, it was astonishing. You know, whether you, whether you like it or not, it's just fact. It was an astonishing drive. And I, I really do hope it goes, some way to banishing this kind of chatter about him only doing it because he's in the best car because of course he's in the best car but 
there's another level that you have to go to to create a, a performance like that and win a race like that in those circumstances. And and he went there and he can go there and he does it often. So, um, you know, most of my 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 friends and followers will probably be wondering if I'm uh, if I've had too much to drink tonight yeah. because what, what are you, I, you on? Know, <laughs> this is it. But you you've got to respect that. You've got to respect it. It's um he is he is who he is. He's a great driver and he's he's deserving of his uh, seven world championships. Um, whether that would be sorry, go on. I was going to say whether it would be different if he hadn't made the switch to Merck and they hadn't just created these absolute monster cars over the last years. It's hard to say, you know, if he'd have gone to Ferrari, would he have helped them develop a car that would have won races? Uh, if he'd have gone to uh, to McLaren or anywhere, anywhere on the grid, would he have had the input? Would he have made the difference? I'm, I'm not sure. I think Mercedes a pretty well-oiled machine and they knew where they were going and they sold it to him uh, along with a little bit of help from Nicky Lauder and, and he bought into it. But he still had to do the job. And how many times do you see Lewis Hamilton drop the car uh, uh, under no pressure? How many times do you see him yeah, make a mistake right. that loses him a race? It doesn't happen. He's consistent. He's brilliant at the wheel. And yeah, I'll tell you, in fact, the, the first time I really genuinely thought, crikey, this kid's really got something. And it was at Fuji. And I cannot remember the year now. Uh, it, was you know, seven, to- it was either seven, 2007 and 2008. I was at both of them. <laughs> yeah. So you, the, 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 the wet qualifying session, yeah. it was... I, it was the first time I really sat up and kind of really took note. Because being a young hotshot, you're expected to you know, tackle your, your senior teammate from time to time, uh, put moves on people, be that exciting young driver. The qualifying session that I'm thinking of in the wet that he stuck it on pole in, it was the conditions were awful. Again, much like this weekend's, but not quite as extreme in terms of slipperiness. But he put this lap in right when it counted, just when it counted. And you could see then he's got the ability. This is this is an innate talent and, a, and an innate ability to to go and perform when it really counts. And we've seen it time and time again over the last few years. Yeah, I mean, the, I, I, but okay. Let's let's get back to what Max Verstappen said uh, a week or so ago, where he said that ninety percent of drivers in that car would would win the championship. I don't think they'd be as dominant as what Lewis has been, but I, mm. I, I don't, and I don't think ninety percent. You know, I look at the, that that grid at the moment, and okay, one guy who's not on there who will be next year, Alonso, I would say, would be. You know, immense next to Lewis. Um, I think Max Verstappen, obviously, uh, yeah. as well as Sebastian Vettel. Um, you know, but it, outside of those guys, I'm tra- oh, Char- sorry, Charles Leclerc as well, and, and maybe Lando Norris. But I, I really think there's probably only four or five drivers who, if you put them in the car beside Lewis Hamilton, would mm. beat him. I, I don't think there's ninety percent of the drivers. If thing is that if Max is saying ninety percent of the drivers could win in that car. Is is he saying that Lewis isn't in that car? Because if Lewis yes. is in if Lewis is in the same car, I don't think ninety percent of the drivers are going to beat Lewis and to the championship. There's four or five guys there who could, and even then, it would be extremely tight. But I don't think ninety percent of the grid. No, you, you bang on, and this is. Uh, I think I made this point last week in terms of it depends, John, on whether Lewis is sat in the other car next to him. Hmm. Because yes, a lot of drivers could pick up wins in that Mercedes if they were given the opportunity. However, if he sat next to them, then chances are they're probably going to end up like uh, uh, like poor old Valtteri because you know, Valtteri was doing pretty darn well before he got to Mercedes and he was showing that form and that racecraft and the ability to get podiums and be the driver to be able to step into a, a better car and win races. And he's done that. 
Mm. but he's been smashed to bits by Lewis. So I think, I hate saying this, but I'm not his biggest fan, but I think he's absolutely brilliantly talented. I think Max is probably your prime candidate Mm. to go head-to-head. He's got the attitude uh, and the mindset to actually go and win races alongside Lewis. But like you say, there's probably not many others that could. No, and and I mean, my pick out of all that that lot would be Verstappen. Uh, he he's one who I would say, yeah, he's not only got the minerals, he's got you know more than enough ability, but he's got the brain, the f, the, the 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 you know the brain for it as well. Not nothing against Charles Leclerc, I just don't think Leclerc is as brutal mm. as what I don't think. I don't is. think he's ready. I don't think no. he's ready yet. I don't think he's ready. Max has been there. Max is hardened now, mm. isn't he? Yeah. Um, not just as he hardens to F one, but he's just that kind of character anyway. Um, don't get me wrong. I think Charles can race, race wheel to wheel, and I think he can do the business. But Max is the one that, if you had to put this kind of dream team together at the moment and watch, you know, uh, watch the fireworks go off, it would be Max alongside Lewis. But unfortunately, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're never going to see that. But no. um, but the thing is that men- and mentally as well, Max. You know, I, okay, I don't think he's ever really been pushed too hard. You know, <clears> Ricardo <throat> probably pushed him the hardest and got him mm-hmm. uh, got as close as possible. But I don't think that was close enough anyway to really put Max off his game. But you know, mentally, I don't think Max, for one, has been challenged. But I think putting him next to Lewis, that would challenge him. But he would have the ability to 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 soak that up and to maybe even give it back. It's it's that mental disintegration that if we change sports for a second, for example, Steve Waugh, who's the Australian cricketer, used to talk about is it mental disintegration. I think what Lewis does that he does that with kindness. Sure. And that's, I think, what put Rosberg off. And we've had this discussion in the past as well about Rosberg and how he was able to do that. And it took so much out of him that year, 2016, yeah. that he was, you get the feeling he was, and he'd never say, but he was like, you know what, I'm spent. <laughs> Can't yeah, do that no, again. <laughs> he couldn't do it again, right? And and, and the, the one thing that Max is not interested in is being your mate nah. either, is he? He doesn't care. He doesn't want to be any friends. Well, he, uh, I think, yeah, yeah but I think you're right. He, it's not like he doesn't care, but he, it's not like it's. It, it, well, he doesn't care, but it's just like it's not like a uh, he hates you or anything like. It, it's just like look, you know, just, you do your job, I'm doing mine. You know, yeah, yeah. We don't have to yeah, be yeah. best of buddies. Stay, we don't have to be best of enemies. It's just like just get in the drive the car, sort of thing. Stay in your lane, sort of thing, isn't it? With him, um, yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah. No, it's like a, you said, it, it was great to see. You know, Lewis. You know, hats off to him. What that's 94 race wins now, seven drivers' world championships. And, you know, take a bow because, um, you know, he, he's he's the best. That, but the, the, now, that, that was the other thing I was going to bring up about Lewis, was Damon Hill saying today that that he should be knighted. I don't think sports people should be knighted while they're still in their sports. No? Um, I don't know if I've got an opinion on this. I think I, th- I think there is a I think there is a problem with um, the system and certain individuals being knighted for what I would deem personally to be relatively, um, uh, you know, minor, not minor achievements, of no, course, no, most people. But not spectacular, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not, not spectacular, not spectacular. This is this is kind of uh, game-changing for sport, for Britain, you know, for what Lewis has achieved as a, as a British sports star. Um I'm always a bit funny about sportsmen getting knighted, but I think there's people that have done a lot less. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's people that have done a lot less for the sport. Yeah. 
there's going to be a lot of people calling for it. It will be I mean, really. I, but the thing is that I'm not saying that he shouldn't be knighted. I'm just saying he shouldn't be knighted while he's still driving. I don't think any any sportsman. I mean, I, we know Sir Mo Farrow's won. Uh, although I think don't think is he still running really competitively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still going. But I know what you mean. I, I just I you, you do that. You do that once they're out of the sport. I, I, I mean, I know. I don't know why it just doesn't sit right with me. I don't. I'm not saying they don't deserve it. I think they do. But you don't do it while they're in the sport. It would feel a bit strange, wouldn't it, having Sir Lewis Hamilton on pole or Sir Lewis yeah. Hamilton winning a championship? So I, I'm with you on that. If you're going to you're going to retire and be actively involved in the sport, but not actually at the front of it, you know, um, yeah, actually driving, then yeah, maybe, maybe. But mm. we'll see. I think it's just going to be a very interesting uh, uh, situation as it develops. You know, whether he does end up getting it because he'll be bucking a trend, that's for sure. Yeah, indeed. Now, look, one other thing. I well, not one. I think one of the other things I wanted to talk about when we were going through the race was mm. one team that you know didn't do particularly well and should have done so much better was Red Bull you know at the beginning of the uh, the race I you know my prediction was Max Verstappen to win this and that <clears throat> obviously didn't happen but you know they've got a car that I thought would have worked very well in those conditions in the end they had an issue didn't they the, they uh, dialed one at the side of the wing, front wing down, and uh, the balance was all over the place. And, you know, obviously Alexander Albon, we're not going to go back over that question. I think all that can be said about Alexander Albon or speculated about has been uh, speculated about. Um, Mm. But either way, neither of the Red Bulls, you know, got the result that they really should have. And I, I was hugely surprised by that. No, it was a it was a very strange weekend. It was a very strange weekend because, you know, as we uh, as we mentioned, you know, Max was entirely dominant throughout mm. practice. Um, no one else seemed to be able to to get anywhere near him in practice. And, and obviously, then he had a couple of spins himself and all of these issues uh, throughout the race. And I think almost he, he gave himself too much to do from the start, didn't he? Because he actually went backwards at the start and then really had to kind of hunt people down and get past them and. It just wasn't meant to be. Wasn't meant to be. It's funny. It's funny because it was actually one race where Alexander Albon sort of what he finished seventh, Max finished sixth, and he was only one point six seconds behind Max. I mean, okay, Max had a spin and everything, but still, probably one of the closest results for um, Albon of the season, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, but you know, again, it could have been so much more for him. Yeah, you know, it could have been so. They've suggested, as I said earlier on, they've suggested that they they thought a race win was on the cards potentially for Albon if things had gone right, and obviously not. It was one of those lottery races, right? But he was in that place where he could have made that happen, and the team could have helped him make that happen. Uh, and then, and then he spun. Did, did, know, so. did, Perez didn't have a spin, did he? Um, I can't remember whether he did. He, he had a spin or not. I'm not sure he did. I think he had a couple of moments where he kind of went wide, yeah. you know, understeered off, and, but, but came back on and may have lost a place or two. But no, there were no dramatic losses of uh, of position for Checo through mistakes that he made. Yeah. It was a classy drive. It, it, it was. Drive. And and again, you know, it's I mean it was great to see him up there. You know, obviously it's a, you know, hey, this is what I can do and you guys are um, haven't kept me and I understand the reasons why they are going with the decision that they've made. But um it does underline that he does deserve a place on the grid next year. And you know, there is still that rumor going around that he may end up at Red Bull and Albon's now got three races. Yeah, I think uh I still feel that decision's been made behind the scenes. Now, whoever takes that seat, obviously, is still yet to be to be known. But these last few races for Checo and his performances probably are pushing the Hulk a bit further away from that Red Bull seat yeah. because it just seems like a no-brainer for Red Bull. It just yeah. seems like an absolute no-brainer. 
get him in. He will win races, I yeah. think, given the opportunity. Uh, he's got the experience. He's quick, and he's got a load of money. Get yeah. him in. And the thing is that he'll also stick it to Max as well. You know what I mean? Is that I mean, it's, mm. I, I think Hulkenberg would have the ability to to not bother about Max. You know, let you know water off a duck's back. But I don't think it'd give him. It wouldn't um, uh, fire fire him up, whereas it would Perez. I think you know. I think Perez, when you look at how he went wheel to wheel with Ocon, okay, Ocon was much junior driver, but you know, Checo will go wheel to wheel with people and 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 won't care about it, and and risk yeah. what he probably shouldn't risk. And I think with Max and Red Bull, that's not a bad thing to have as long as it doesn't end up, you know, with tears. <laughs> we've seen that before right <laughs> exactly ironically at turkey a few years ago <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly exactly right of course yeah you know turn uh turn 11 wasn't it where um yeah where vettel and weber came together and it yeah. was interesting to read in the lead up to turkey there was lots of articles i'm not sure if you saw that where mark weber at that point he realized because uh, i think he wrote to Dieter mm. Maitschitz. And, yeah, and and sort of said, "Hey, what's going on here?" Because he felt he couldn't go to Horner anymore, and uh, Helmut Marco was no, not not someone who he was trusting, and uh, he pretty much realised at that point that he was on the outer, and that was it. You know, he's, he was number two from that point onwards, wasn't he? That was the end of it. Yeah, absolutely. He thought he'd go straight to the top, and uh, unfortunately, not a lot changed. And no, that's right. And of course, you can sort of see where Horner's coming from. It's like, what you're going above my head, but I can understand why Weber did it as well. He's like, well, what am I going to do here? You know, because I, I, I don't think that was Weber's fault. I think you know, Vettel felt that Weber was just going to move over for him. It's like Weber no, saying, yeah, him, you've yeah. got to, you've got to, him, yeah. yeah, you've got to get past me, mate. I'm not going to let you pass. You yeah. know, you get past me, then you can come across, but don't just think I'm going to yield to you. And that's what yeah. Seb felt, you know. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. And uh, but uh, you come back to the point about why why you know go necessarily go above Christian's head. But I think at the end of the day, he wouldn't have heard, you know, what he needed to hear necessarily if he'd have gone to Warner anyway. So no. just cut cut the, the the BS and the noise out. Go straight and, and and find out what the situation is. But um, like you say, that was that was the end of it for Mark really in terms of uh, any any opportunity to win the world championship. I think. Yep, indeed. And of course, uh, just quickly, let's take a look at the constructors because obviously Mercedes, 504 points, they're miles ahead. Red Bull, 240. But it's always been about this um, this midfield and how uh, tight it is. Racing point now, um, are six points ahead of McLaren. They're sitting nicely in third. Uh, McLaren fourth. Renault dropped back. It was a bad race for Renault, wasn't it? It was, yeah, really weird. Just a bit of a nothing race, and that, that it kind of set the trend for the start of the uh, at the start of the race. Sorry, when uh, when Danny Rick kind of gave Ocon a little nudge. And it, yeah, it was it was accidental, of course, but yeah, just just weren't at the races this weekend, were they? Yeah, I mean, tenth and eleventh is where they finished, and they started what fifth uh, and seventh. That should have been a much better result for them. But that's the thing is in, in the constructors now. They're um, they're what they're uh, one hundred and thirty six points. Uh, and 149 in McLaren, so my mental math says that's how much? 13? 13. Of course, Ferrari's the other one I wanted to mention because you're go. now just six points behind Renault. You're just going to see an incredible run to the finish now. Ferrari just going to pick up massive points all the way through until the end of the season. Obviously, I'm joking. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, this conditions obviously played a big part this weekend, but it was just fabulous to see Seb getting some points and, and a podium as well because I think most people would have thought that uh, seeing Seb on uh, on any of the steps on the podium was probably done and dusted now in a Ferrari uh, suit, but it happened and it was good to see. And then obviously uh, Charles just uh, following him closely behind. So biggest points haul of the year so far. And uh, and ironically, Mattia Bonotto was not at the race. So they're probably going to try and 
leave him in Marinello for the next one as well. And I'll tell you what, it is interesting because on um, the show that I do with Chris Lawton, we have to put our predictions in. And I went uh, Vettel, uh, sorry, I went uh, Verstappen. Hamilton and I decided to go with what I regularly go with which is Daniel Ricardo but <laughs> about half an hour beforehand I had this this feeling I thought maybe Seb should I put him in there and I thought no I'm going to look like an idiot and I'm going to uh, I thought no no I'll go with Daniel Ricardo got to trust your gut John you got to trust your gut I know and I can't tell Lawton that I hope he hears this I, I want him to find out organically by the way um <laughs> and uh yeah but I couldn't believe it I was like afterwards I was thinking oh you should have gone with that yeah that because I you know week before of course I picked the podium but anyway you did you did <laughs> yeah oh well well let go with your gut next week and see what happens exactly but yeah no it uh it was a great race I mean again not sort of your, your classic standard race but it was a great race for all the wrong reasons George Russell's come out and said interestingly that um you know races shouldn't be like that a low grip circuit isn't what f1 is about yes and no i don't think as low as that was that because in the dry conditions it wouldn't have been much better but no. um it's great to see someone you know different on pole position and you know all that mixed up and of course the next race we've got is is bahrain uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks time so and I, i'm really looking forward to the second round of bahrain where they've got that alternative circuit yeah, it's been a bit, people are kind of not really sure about this alternative circuit. It looks a bit bizarre, kind of jury's out on it for me. But um, uh, yeah, it's going to be, I think at least one thing you can guarantee is the weather's going to be pretty decent there, I suppose. So uh, we'll be back to normal and no doubt watching uh, one of the Mercs cruise away. But uh, we'll see. Mate, uh, thank you very much for your time. Always uh, good to have the chat. Always. Thanks, John. And just three rounds to go before the end of the season. 28th, 29th of November is the Bahrain Grand Prix. Three DRS zones makes it interesting there, doesn't it? It's a twilight race under lights. And, of course, it takes a while for that circuit to evolve by the time you sort of the cars have swept away all the, the dust and the sand that gets blown across the circuit because of its location. But it um, puts on a decent race. Hamilton won last year from Bottas, Leclerc third. And, of course, that tight midfield at the moment between Racing Point uh, McLaren, Renault are now starting to creep up. Ferrari as well. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. If you like the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, give us a like, a subscribe. If you want to be on the podcast, you'd like to have your opinion on a driver, a team, let us know at Pitbox Podcast or at Adori Media on the socials. 